And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Georgia Tech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, side. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. And he scores! And he scores! Hey, everybody. Great to see you, all of you. The excitement building as we get set much closer to the 2017 college football season. I'm Michael Regai, joined, as always, by the preeminent analyst, uh, the top author of the best uh, college football preview magazine and all over ESPN as well. And that, of course, is none other than Phil Steele, the author of Phil Steele's college football preview for 2017. And, of course, our main man here, on strong as steel. How you doing, Phil? Everything good? Everything's good, Michael. How about yourself? I'm terrific, and I want all of our tremendous strong as steel listeners to know right off the top. Now, in addition, we said we'll we'll get into detail about your continued and now expanded work with ESPN later in the show, but as well as the Phil Steele College Football Preview and on philsteel.com, we need to direct uh, all of our listeners to be right up to speed with everything they need to know about the games, teams, conferences, divisions of their choice to Inside the Press Box. Phil, give us an idea of what InsideThePressBox.com can offer and how it's going to enhance the college football watching experience. Well, Inside the Press Box is my weekly newsletter, and it gives you all the stats you need. Now, if you like to analyze the games yourself, you'll love it. If you like to just get my computer's opinion, you'll love it. If you like to get my opinion, you'll love it. You get all those three things combined, a ton of stats, ton of information. My computers pick on each game. And then a lot of times I disagree with the computer. A lot of times I agree with the computer. You'll find out each and every week uh, whether I'm with the computer or against it in the inside the press box. So it's a great newsletter. You get it throughout the season. And uh, when you sign up to Inside the Press Box, just go to InsideThePressBox.com. The beautiful thing about that site you find it, get a sample issue of what the newsletter looks like. Uh, and also, if you type in the code word football, you'll be able to take $20 off either the college package, the NFL package, or the combined package. So Inside the Press Box up right now. Go to InsideThePressBox.com for more information on that and get 20 bucks off if you type in the code word football. Such a deal. you got to do it. You can't miss it. And by the way, you know, when Phil said, I can take you inside the press box, when Phil says sometimes he disagrees with his computer, I've had to separate Steele and his computer a couple times from coming to blows over things that they disagree <laughs> with on college football. Phil, I always could tell when you're going to get heated with what your computer is spitting out. But I like the way you take your, your stance and uh, dig your heels in and don't always agree with your computer. That's good stuff. And it's tough on Mondays, Michael, if the computer wins more games than I do because there's that <laughs> little bit of gloating going on over there from the computer. Uh, I didn't want to mention that. I, I'd leave that, <laughs> leave, that, I'd leave that up to you. Great to have you with us. As we said, our producer, Jim Nabosna, with Phil and yours truly, Michael Regai, getting ready to roll. All right, Big 12 today. Oh, the Big 12. 
lot of new things happening. A lot of intrigue with regard to the Big 12. Phil, they figured out this year that they need the college football playoff. And before we start with our uh, team-by-team assessment of the Big 12, Phil, has it really been the last time a, a national championship squad resided in the Big 12? Vince Young and the Texas Longhorns all the way back in 2005 for Mac Brown. They haven't played a conference championship game since 2010. We know they play around Robin in their 10-team league. So a conference championship game will create a rematch. Phil, was this all about bottom line, though? They haven't been a part of the college football playoff since its inception in 14 with Oklahoma. They have to get back in and get in that realm, correct? Uh, it probably was about getting the extra uh, point at the end of the year, uh, you know, an extra game thrown into the mix. And, you know, if you look at what the Big 12 schedule makers did, you sort of have a feeling that the folks there at the Big 12 think it's going to be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State in that title <laughs> yes. game. Because yeah. uh, normally that game is played at the end of the year, and who wants to see an immediate rematch from one week to the next? Well, this year, amazingly, that game got moved up four weeks. So it's now at the start of November instead of the end, which means if we get to the end of the season and it's Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game, at least there's a four-week cushion put in there. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, again, we're going to get that Big 12 championship game this year. And uh, just mind-boggling that it has been 12 years since uh, a Big 12 squad. Although, Phil, I could make a case. I know they were disappointed in the uh, the first year, uh, 2014, Oklahoma got in. But, oh, I know the Big 12 folks uh, thought that a 12-1 uh, and TCU squad should have been there as well, didn't they? They did, and uh, it was one of those things where uh, TCU and Baylor sort of canceled each other out. I think had they had a conference championship game that year, and TCU faced Baylor, and we actually had a winner of the conference championship, and there Mm -hmm. was one solid winner, then yes, I think the Big 12 probably would have gotten into the playoffs. Uh, much to the chagrin of maybe in Ohio State, uh, you know, that year, because it was, it was sort of nip and tuck at the, at the end as to who got in and who did not get in. So that, that playoff that year would have done it because at the end of the year, the Big 12 said, well, we have co-champs, and the co-champ thing just didn't cut it. Yeah, and Ohio State, of course, did validate that uh, with their uh, their huge run to win uh, the the first college football playoff national championship back uh, following the 2014 season. And Phil, you know, I go out there. You do a terrific piece uh, that we certainly did a lot of talking about in Phil Steele's college football preview this year. Uh, Fourteen college football playoff. It was perfect. Uh, it's been close to perfect, and and. Phil calls it now avoid the bracket creep. But I think, Phil, all of um, all of our podcast listeners and all of our subscribers to the magazine really should pay close attention to that because I think uh, uh, all of the data and valid points that you put into it certainly has played out, played out pretty close to, to form and true for the past three seasons, the first three seasons, and probably so going forward as we lay out. Yeah, and if you go back all the way to 2001 in the magazine, this is exactly what I called for way back in 2001. I said, we need a four-team playoff, and not only a four-team playoff, but seed them, one against four, two against three. I think you'll have the ideal scenario. Called for it for 10 years. It finally came to fruition. Very happy with that. And now, as you mentioned, the article, which is on page four and five of your magazine. So once again, read the article. It doesn't take that long, but you get a lot of good information on it, uh, is avoid bracket creep. And uh, I think we'll, we'll be able to maintain that for quite some time. 
Boy, I like your headline writer, too. Avoid bracket creep. (laughs) 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 You gotta love that. It certainly uh, gives it great direction to the the piece. And as Phil said, he goes all the way back to 2001 and lays out all the scenarios that took place. All right. So all of that having been said, great to have you with us again here on Strong as Steel. We are going to have a Big 12 championship game coming up first Saturday in December for the first time since 2010. With all that in mind, Phil Steele, let's give it a roll. Now, these are all alphabetically ordered, not our projected or predicted order of finish by any means. And, Phil, let's start uh, down at Waco, Texas, with a very troubled uh, 2016 for what has been a premier FBS program, the Baylor Bears. Phil, we look at from 13 to 15 in that three-year span, 32-7, and And now, seemingly in FBS Siberia, so to speak, 7-6 and six last year with a bowl win for Jim Grobe, the interim coach, formerly at Ohio, formerly at Wake Forest. Phil, he really studied uh, the, the troubled ship. He got it on even course. And now Matt Rule is a head coach. Rule uh, hired from Temple. Tremendous run there. My big question to you right off the top, though, Phil, is what's the talent pool? that Matt Rule is inheriting in Waco with Baylor? Is it up to normal Baylor standards that we've become accustomed to? Yeah, I don't know if uh, Baylor's talent this year is going to be at that 10-11 win record that they have been getting to year in and year out. But I tell you what, after talking to Coach Rule this year, I feel a lot better about this Baylor team than I did at the end of last year. And let me explain that. Now, last year they, of course, opened up 6-0. and took on their usual soft non-conference schedule. They were rolling. They got up to number eight in the country, lost six straight games. And it's tough to keep a team in line at that point. I thought Grove did a good job. They get to the bowl game. They're a large underdog against Boise State. And then just smacked Boise State in the Cactus Bowl, winning that game 31-12. to So a good finish to the year. But during the uh, spring and summer, during the summer, I should say, when everything came down, All of a sudden, they basically lost their entire recruiting class. Almost every single recruit that signed left to go to other places last year. And you're thinking, Baylor is going to really be up against it for probably five years because it's tough to lose an entire recruiting class. Odds are their upcoming recruiting class is going to be hurt greatly. But I thought Matt Rule came in, steadied the ship, did a good job recruiting, brought in a, a solid recruiting class. Uh, one that I don't think a lot of folks expected to be as good as it was coming in. And really, when you look at the overall talent, I know a lot of those freshmen left last year, but they only lose 19 lettermen. They returned 66 lettermen from last year. And I, I like the talent they have at most positions. You look at it, Terrence Williams at the running back spot, a 1,000-yard rusher. Zach Smith, they bring in an Arizona transfer and a new Solomon at the quarterback spot. And uh, so I think they're going to get good quarterback play. The receivers, you're looking at Blake Lynch, Denzel Mims, probably the top guys up front. They return three starters defensively. Uh, Baylor's been playing better defense than you would have thought as of late. They did give up 431 yards per game last year, but K.J. Smith is going to be explosive off the outside of defensive end. Taylor Young, at weak side linebacker, another one of their stars defensively. So overall, as gloom and doom as it was for Baylor at the start of last year and probably at the end of last year, prior to the bowl game, I think Matt Rule is going to get it turned around, and uh, and Baylor's going to have a, a decent team this year. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned uh, Zach Smith, of course. Uh, he got he got a lot of time uh, combined with Seth Russell, who's departed a year ago. You mentioned uh, a new Solomon, who we last saw with Rich Rodriguez. 
uh, with the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, do you do you feel are we, are we getting some rumblings out of Waco that Solomon might indeed uh, capture this job and be the starting QB? Well, he has the ability to do so, and I think a lot will depend. Uh, really, it's a, it's a legitimate quarterback battle. And, uh, you know, Zach Smith probably has the best arm on the team. He's a smart kid, makes good decisions. Uh, really picked apart Boise's defense in the bowl game. But when you have a veteran quarterback like Anu Salman, I mean, he started a lot of games in his career. He had 14 starts in 2014. Uh, 2015, he had 11 starts, began last year as the starter. Uh, and really, in the Rich Rod system, he wants his quarterback to be a willing runner. Anu yeah. Solomon was a guy who would run, but I don't think he wanted to run as much as Rich Rod wanted him to. And that's probably one of the reasons that he lost his job there. Now, naturally, the Baylor offense, we're not going to see the past Baylor offense, which was throw the football a lot, establish a running game with your running backs, not necessarily your quarterbacks. I think Matt Rule likes a mobile quarterback. So Solomon mm-hmm. gives him that potential, play breaks down, he can take off and run. So I think it's going to be a QB battle. I slotted Smith as the starter uh, in the magazine, and I like the amount of starting quarterbacks we usually get right at the start of the year with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, So I'm le- still leaning with Smith, but Solomon's a nice insurance policy. It sure is, and uh, Phil and I are both leaning with Matt Rule. If you haven't been able to ascertain as we started to discuss Baylor, uh, we like Matt Rule a lot. I mean, look, he was above 500 at Temple, uh, back-to-back division titles, and, of course, uh, uh, last year won the the AAC championship with his Temple Owls. So uh, Rule is a guy, and you know what, Phil, too? I like a guy who probably he was getting a lot of, I bet you, talking to his uh, peers, his friends in the profession, say, oh, Matt, I don't know if that's something you want to undertake. But I, I think, don't you think there's something to be said for a head football coach that decides, yeah, I, I know there's a, a lot of troubled waters there and things that have to be smoothed out, but I'm going to undertake that challenge. I like that about Rule. Absolutely. In fact, that was one of my first questions to Coach Rule. Uh, when I talked to him was, okay, why? Why did you possibly take this job? Because I don't think anybody in the country really wants this job. And that was an attraction to him. And he really thinks that Baylor's the, the, got the talent, got the program, and you're not going to see that slip up. So I, I do like a guy that takes stuff head on like that. Yeah, and keep an eye on from week three through week seven for the Baylor Bears, Phil. We take a look at the schedule. Um, They've got to go to Duke, and we mentioned that as we were doing uh, the Blue Devils in the ACC uh, last week. And then uh, Oklahoma, following that at home, they go to Manhattan, Kansas, to see Bill Snyder at Kansas State, and then after a bye, uh, head into Stillwater to see Oklahoma State. I Wouldn't you say we'll find out a lot about Baylor during that course of uh, those four football games? Absolutely. And, you know, keep in mind, with the new head coach, it's not going to be that high-flying offense necessarily. You're going to see right. some tight ends used, which they haven't used uh, for years. And they've got some effective tight ends, like a Jordan uh, Fuhrbacher is a guy that can step in. Do a good job. He's 6'4", 270 pounds. Did play some at tight end for Grove last year, but look for more tight ends in the offense and a, a different style offense for Baylor this year. Yeah, we'd like to uh, bring you the win totals, uh, the way they're seen by those that uh, uh, like to put all of those type things out. The number for the season for Baylor out of the South Point uh, Sportsbook in Las Vegas. Phil, they have them. Right at eight. And now, I, at first blush, that, I, does that sound a little bit high to you? It does to me. 
Yeah, it does. I personally would have had them at seven and a half when you look at their schedule this year. I have them a clear underdog home against Oklahoma at Kansas State at Oklahoma State and at TCU. A couple yeah. of toss-up games on the schedule when they host Texas and play Duke on the road. And with that kind of uh, info, I would put it at 7.5. I think the ceiling for Baylor might just be eight wins. And so I would tend to lean towards the under eight on Baylor. But I still think it's a good year. They get back to a bowl. And, and naturally, with a bowl win, they could get to that topping that eight-win total. But I think sure. that's what it would need. And uh, and just to let the listeners know, when uh, Vegas puts out an over/under win total like this, it's regular season games only. So yep. if you, even if you win your bowl game, that doesn't really matter. So yeah, I would lean with the under here. Yeah, Phil and I are in concert there. So uh, that's the story with Baylor. But you know, keep close tabs on Matt Rule this year, as as Phil and I just pointed out, uh, a a football coach uh, on the rise, still a head coach in his forties, and certainly one you got to uh, keep. A very close eye on with regard to how he's able to get Baylor. The hope there is back into college football prominence in the Big 12. All right, our next stop uh, here on Strongest Steel as we uh, go through the Big 12 here today on this Wednesday, July 19th, as we're uh, thrilled all of you are locked in with us. Let's go up to Ames, Iowa, and uh, check in on uh, Matt Campbell and his Iowa State Cyclones. Now, Phil, uh, you and I, well, you know, we talked a lot about Matt Campbell because we know him very, very well from uh, his time uh, at the University of Toledo, a lot of success as an OC and then the head football coach. We know Campbell was looking to this year as his second year as that uh, he would bring his Cyclones to uh, make an impression after their three and a nine first season a year ago. And Ames, Phil, when we looked at it, I remember us talking about here on the show last year, Close losses, three of them, and they struggled early. But they did play a lot better football in the last nine. Now, they need improved play on both sides of the football, and maybe a lot of that is is going to start with uh, now a second-year quarterback, the uh, the former Georgia Bulldog, and then went to J.C., Jacob Park. Uh, is Park going to make enough strides? Campbell loves that uh, to open things up offensively. Can Park make enough strides to do that this year for him? You know, I, I think it is a, a big plus. And, in fact, uh, you remember last year's uh, quarterback, Joel Lanning, he started nine games. Right. Uh, they called him the Land Ram because he was more of a runner. I mean, he's 6'2", 225, uh, put up decent passing stats, not overwhelming, but dangerous runner, and you don't want to tackle the guy. Well, he saw the writing on the wall, asked the coach, hey, can I move to middle linebacker? And guess what? He's done great at middle linebacker. So they now have a physical presence in the middle. If he's a quarterback, I think he can handle calling the defensive signals from that middle linebacker spot as well. Sure. So that's that's probably a, a double-plus move. And then getting Jacob Park in there. You know, Park is a guy who's 6'4", 205. He's a PS uh, number 8 quarterback. Uh, coming out of high school, and last year I thought he did well, uh, throwing for 1,791 yards with the 12-5 ratio. Uh, he's going to do well, I, I think, especially with the receiving core he has. You know, I rate Iowa State's receiving core number 36 in the country. they got Alan Lazard at one spot. This is a 6'5", 223 guy, another BHT, and once again, I'm not going to explain BHTs. You should know from the magazine. He's the uh, uh, PS. 
P.S. number 10 wide receiver. Uh, and they've got some talent there at the receiver spot as well. And then you look at the offensive line. That's probably your biggest question mark on the team. But I think that gets trumped with the fact that Matt Campbell's the head coach and his offensive line coach is back as well. And these are the same two guys that at Toledo had zero returning starters on the offensive line yet didn't allow a sack in the first eight games. So an inexperienced line is no problem for those guys. And that's a nice uh, nice thing to have right there. And then you look defensively for Iowa State. Overall, they've got uh, six returning starters on defense. Uh, they've got a couple of decent players, like a cornerback, not overwhelming defense. And in the Big 12, you're facing a lot of potent offenses, so you're going to give up the yards. But I, I think they've got the potential to be improved on that side of the ball. Now, the schedule is what I'm not wild about when it comes to Iowa State. They get some of the big boys in the conference at home. I'm talking about Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas. And what that means is a lot of those winnable games are now on the road this year, so they could very well be an underdog in as many as uh, eight or even nine games on the course of the season. But there's no doubt this year's Iowa State team is stronger than last year's, and I think Iowa State fans are expecting a bowl this year. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the buzz we hear circulating around Ames, Iowa. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, is it completely out of the realm of feasibility? No, but I'm with you, Phil. They're gonna they're gonna have to come up with some key road wins. I mean, you know, think about it. Uh, uh, going to Texas Tech in West Virginia. Well, if they're gonna get to a bowl game, and you probably uh, have to have one of those on the road, if not both of them. Uh, South Point uh, for Iowa State put the over-under this year. They, they, they certainly have upped it. They think more highly of of uh, Matt Campbell's squad. Phillips at five and a half. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably right in the area that uh, of comfortability there. I, I'm going to say they can get to six wins, though. I, I, I'm, I'm going out, uh, taking a little bit of a flyer here and believing that Campbell will win a couple that probably most don't think he will. So I'm going to say they get to six wins and bowl eligible. Good call there. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, you know, when I look at Iowa State, here's the in the positive side. You have to look at the fact that, you know, last year they actually had double-digit leads over both Baylor and Oklahoma State, two games they mm-hmm. could easily have won. They blew out Texas Tech 66-10. to 10. So, yeah, it's, it's a budding team. It's one where if I'm an Iowa State fan, I'm optimistic heading into the year. Uh, I just didn't put them on my most improved list, which means I didn't put them getting the six wins this year with the over-under at five and a half. I'm going to say they get up there to maybe five this year. So I'm going, okay. to, I'm going to lean with the under. So we got uh, we got another root beer on this one here, Michael. Sarsaparilla, baby, between uh, <laughs> Steele and I. <laughs> uh, got to keep those coming, too. Well, look, Northern Iowa to start out, and, uh, ooh, there's going to be some uh, – they, they got beat. They got beat at home last year uh, in Ames by Northern Iowa, Phil. I, I, you know, can they can they now? Then they get to Iowa at home. I'll tell you one that they come in here close to us. They come into uh, Infocision Stadium at the University of Akron to see Terry Bowden and the Akron Zips. If they're going to get to six, I will say that's one they're going to have to have. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, uh, Phil and I are uh, going to go in a little bit different direction on uh, Iowa State. And Matt Campbell, again, though, uh, he is a one of the youngest head coaches in the FBS and a ho- head coach that already has had a lot of success in the Mid-American Conference uh, at the University of Toledo. Let's uh, move on here, our third team in the Big 12. And, again, no divisions in the Big 12. 
So 10 football squads. And again, if you're just joining us, uh, shame on you where you've been. They uh, are playing their very first conference championship game since 2010 this year in the Big 12. Uh, Phil, I don't know as we uh, move into uh, the state of Kansas whether head coach David Beatty uh, is going to be a part of that, but uh, we can make the case that stability is starting to grow for the Kansas Jayhawks uh, with David Beatty now uh, with a contract extension. They've given him through 2021 to get his program built up, Phil. Low scholarship numbers in 15 Now he is starting to see some improvement in talent. Significant improvement still has to come in a lot of areas. Phil, they won two football games in 2016. One of them was over Texas in November. How significant can the improvement be to possibly double that win total this year for Kansas? You know, when you look at Kansas, here's a team that's won zero games in 2015 and then won two games last year. So you saw the improvement. Uh, And when you look at them, as you touched on, when uh, Coach Beatty took over and we were going through the team that first year, I mean, they were low on scholarship players. They had no experience. So they were a a rebuilding team that was extremely thin. I actually called for one win in the magazine. So they didn't hit my level of optimism. They got zero that first year. And they were minus 267 yards per game in league play. Now, last year, you know, they had close losses to TCU and Iowa State, two teams they could easily have beaten last year. So they were not very far away. They were basically two plays away from being, you know, a 4-8 and team last year. And I thought they were a lot more competitive at times. There were some games they got blown out. They went into Baylor. They went into Memphis. They went into Oklahoma. It just got destroyed. But a lot of other games, as you mentioned, they upset Texas and, and played. They actually gave Kansas State a, a moderate game, which is something mm-hmm. that normally doesn't happen because Bill Snyder always puts the hammer down whenever they play Kansas. But this year, believe it or not, for a team that's won two games the last two years, they have two units that rank in my top units in the front of the magazine. One of them is receivers, and the other one is actually defensive line, which is always a good unit to be strong on. They've got a guy in Dorrance Armstrong who is uh, uh, 6'4", 256. He wants to be the best defensive end in the nation. The NFL guys are starting to look at him. Yeah. A very talented defensive end. They've got Daniel Wise up front, a defensive tackle. Another guy who comes in at 290 pounds. And the players in the NFL, or scouts in the NFL, starting to look at him. So I actually think they have a, a good defensive line, a receiver. They've got uh, Gonzalez and Steven Sims and Hartsog. Most of the receivers are back. It's now yet another year under Beatty. When he came in, he wanted to switch it to more of that Washington State-style pass offense. Well, they bring in a quarterback from Washington State, Peyton Bender, <laughs> uh, who actually played at uh, Washington State. And, you know, when called upon, uh, you know, he, he got a little bit of action in there. And uh, so he, I think he can come in, take control of that job. The offensive line looks uh, good. Defensively, yeah, they're still going to be among the weakest in the country. I mean, last year they gave up 456 yards per game, 37 points per game. I've got them number 101 on defense. So this is a team that I think will make strides again. Now, how much ground can they make up on the rest of the conference? That's going to be the big case this year. 
big question. Yeah, it is. Well, no, you're exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I think about, I, I like the fact, though, Phil, I, I want to, uh, we'll tell you more about Phil's involvement with ESPN. You know, I uh, long have called college games uh, for ESPN, and we get access to tape of uh, what are considered to be the uh, the high-profile players in the country. And, and Phil, I, I'm glad you mentioned Dorrance Armstrong. Keep an eye on this. Show. Ten sacks, right, a year ago off the edge. You mentioned the size. NFL uh, scouts are are making that trek into Lawrence because, uh, you know, when we were doing the uh, the ACC the other day, Phil, we mentioned Harold Landry, the uh, just dynamic pass rush quarterback, get after defensive end from Boston College. Phil, I think Armstrong may be in that same kind of strata with Landry in 2017. Yeah, he definitely is. He's uh, he's and he can only. I mean, he can improve his reputation, especially if at the uh, the point of attack he firms up a little bit, which he, I thought he was decent at the point of attack as it was to yeah. get all those sacks. He's not just a pass rusher at defensive end at that 256 pounds, and he's got the, the length you want as well. It gets you some of those PBUs during the course of the season. Absolutely. All right, so we take a look, and we said, look, Phil and I, uh, Phil and I are – are keeping close tabs on uh, David Beatty. As we say, I went from uh, no wins to two wins, and now the uh, the South Point this year, Phil, uh, being, I, I guess you could call it, a little bit more optimistic with the Kansas Jayhawks. They, they got him at two and a half on that win total on the over-under side. Can, can, can they add a win this year uh, to uh, go over and above that, that two and ten from a season to go? Uh, I'm uh, two and a half. I'm going to have to go with over on that. Uh, you know, when you look at opening up with Southeast Missouri, I think that's a winnable game. Central Michigan's not going to be easy. I rate that game a toss up central as a strong team. I think coach Bonamago is doing a very good job there and, uh, he's returns a lot of talent, but that game's a toss up Texas tech, a toss up game, uh, this year. And as mentioned, there was a couple of games last year. You look at the TCU game, they were basically a four touchdown underdog came within one play of winning. When they played Iowa State, they were a double-digit underdog, came within one play of winning. And the mm-hmm. Texas game pulled a big upset despite being a large underdog. So I think BD and company get get an upset or two. And so I, I like over two and a half for Kansas. Yep, I'm with you. Let's do that. Let's stay optimistic with uh, what David Beatty continues to bring his football program on the ascend in Lawrence, Kansas. Great to have you with us here on Strongest Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer Jim Nabosna, the Big 12 today. And they've got a conference championship game for the first time since 2010. Haven't won a national championship since Mac Brown did it with Vince Young and Texas in that just fabulous Rose Bowl win. Phil, I could still see Vince Young among the confetti prancing into the end zone to bring the Longhorns that national title over USC. That was uh, that was one of the – a very high-profile game that turned into a fabulous national championship game. But that was under uh, the old BCS format, right, back in 05? That's right. And uh, what a great game that was, one for the ages. Uh, USC thought to be pretty much an unstoppable juggernaut at that time, much like Alabama is today. And Texas was able to not only hang with them, they got a key fourth down stop late in the game. And that late touchdown run by Vince Young was uh, huge. Mm, yeah, we'll always uh, have that in our mind's eye in one of the uh, the greatest plays in college football history. And now all the folks of the Big 12, as Phil and I pointed out at the top of this edition of Strongest Still, they're thinking about the CFP. they got to be a part of the college football playoff this year. Does... Uh, 
a gentleman that turns the uh, the spry uh, uh, young age of 78 years in October have a chance to do that. Phil, how about Bill Snyder? Still energized, still going strong, and looking for a Big 12 title after he and his Wildcats went 9-4 in 2016. Nice bowl win over Texas A&M. They've got five Big 12 home games this year, Phil. you got to like that, which includes Oklahoma. Defense, as we looked at it this winter, has been buoyed by some JUCO additions. Solid year defensively last year, Phil. They gave up 22 points a game. Double-digit wins for Bill Snyder as he turns 78 years old. A distinct possibility here in 2017. Yeah, and, you know, I've got to tell you, Michael, one of the, the great things about my job right now is I get to talk to a lot of the coaches out there and sure. just just extremely honored anytime I get to talk to Coach Bill Snyder because here's a guy who may have done the best job in college football history. I mean, Kansas State was the worst team in college football. They're playing in Manhattan, Kansas, and really the only question is, are we going one double A? I mean, we've got the worst record, over, worst winning percentage of any college in history of college football a winning season is a shocker for k-state and Mm -hmm. he has taken this team and made them national title contender in his first stint here and now he's done it again in his second stint where they're up there and clamoring to be a national uh, impact and uh, just a fantastic job and you know part of the reason is and a lot of coaches i talk to everybody talks about jucos which you just mentioned and when you talk about jucos um Everybody pretty much says there's a learning curve. First year JUCO, second year JUCO, a big difference. In your second year, you're a lot more productive. And I always throw out to him, I go, except if you're Bill Snyder, because Bill Snyder gets the most out of the first year mm-hmm. JUCOs. And a lot of it is the guys he recruits. I remember talking to Coach Snyder a couple of years ago when they had only recruited maybe three or four JUCOs. And they said, and I asked him, I said, why only three or four JUCOs this year? You normally bring in 10 or 12. He said, there just wasn't the bright fit and he's got the right fit this year he's brought in a bunch and then the other big thing they got going for him is last year they had 135 starts by underclassmen now that was the most ever under bill snyder here's a guy that's relied on juco's all these years and last year 135 starts by underclassmen so you you have a veteran team coming back with the addition of the juco's with 14 returning starters and keep in mind they haven't had 14 returning starters since 2012 and that year, they went 11-2 and two and got as high as number two in the country. I like the talent they have at quarterback. Jesse Ertz is not your pretty boy quarterback. Let's face it, he's a 6'3", 212 guy that likes to run. He can hurt you with the deep ball, but only nine touchdowns last year, four interceptions. But that's not their offense. They've got Dimmel at fullback. who's a, I mean, they use a fullback 75% of the time. They've got Byron Pringle and Dalton Valentine in the receiving core. The offensive line looks solid. And defensively, they do lose a couple of big names. Jordan Willis at defensive end. They lose strong safety Dante Barnett. They lose uh, Carmo- Car- they lose more at the linebacker spot. But with Will Geary and Reggie Walker up front, DJ Reed at cornerback, uh, they're pretty solid there, and they're always good special teams-wise. In fact, uh, I think Sean Snyder does a tremendous job coaching the special teams. That's Bill Snyder's son. He should be the next coach at K-State. Ten years from now, whenever Bill Snyder decides to step down, they've got my number one rated special teams unit coming into the season. So if you're looking at a dark horse, a team not named Oklahoma or Oklahoma State to possibly win the Big 12 this year, I think K-State's your boy. 
Yep, and uh, never put it past Bill Snyder is what we're trying to tell you. And as we said, think about that now. 78 years of age coming up in October. This man uh, still is energized, looks terrific, looks like he could still play himself if he had had any eligibility left. And, you know, Philly is number three, Bill Snyder, on uh, the FBS active coaches all-time win list behind Brian Kelly and Nick Saban, and um, I'm in accord with you. uh, And I'm glad you mentioned another guy. Sometimes, uh, Phil, he's always going to highlight and bring out to you the special talents on each side of the ball. Phil, we got to keep an eye on uh, D.J. Reed. You just discussed him at the corner. I mean, last year, uh, one of the tops in the nation with uh, PBUs, pass breakups, three picks, 190 pounds, excellent cover guy. We'll watch him closely as possibly one of the uh, the top corners in the nation. Now, as far as a win total for Kansas State, uh, the South Point, Phil, has them at seven and a half. Let's take a look at that schedule. Are, are there a lot of landmines there in that schedule? No. <laughs> when, I, when I look at the schedule, Michael, I mean, at Texas, I have a slight underdog. At Oklahoma State, I have a slight underdog got them favored in the rest of their games on the season and uh in fact on uh espn.com i wrote a an article which is talking about teams and their over under win totals for the season uh after listening to this podcast i think you have an idea not only which way i'm going but whether or not k-state made that article and the one thing i want to point out about bill snyder he's just one of those coaches that i feel that he could take his guys and beat your guys, and then he could take your guys and beat his guys. <laughs> I love it. That good of a head I coach. love it. Yeah. He used to love that. That's what he used to say about Bum Phillips is the one that's uh, – he said that about Chuck Knoll, Phil. Remember that way back in yeah. the 70s? Yeah, I love that. his and beat urines and take urines and beat his ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best lines ever in college football. I'm glad you brought that up uh, for us as we uh, – Take a look at Bill Snyder and his football team. Bill's son, by the way, Sean, is uh, still on his staff, uh, assistant head coach and a a former All-American punter for his dad, and now he's following in the coaching profession as well. So, hey, look, uh, I'll admit I'm an unabashed admirer of Bill Snyder and uh, wish him and his Wildcats nothing but the best going into uh, 2017. So you're going under them, Michael? I am, uh, no, I'm not going under, no, no, seven and a half, come on, now, Bill Snyder's going to win eight football games, if not nine during the regular season this year. Perhaps so. Yeah. I'm going over, yeah, yeah, right, I hear you, I hear you. All right, that's the Kansas State story. Now, speaking of head coaches and those that have, I think, Phil, shall, shall we say, uh, reached, uh, you know, iconic status around college football. Well, there's one of them that rocked all of us uh, last month, back in the month of June. Bob Stoops, with his Oklahoma Sooners, stepped down, caught us all by surprise. Now, Phil, he took the Sooners to four BCS National Championship games in his tenure, his 19-year tenure uh, with Oklahoma. He won it all in 2000. Got a Heisman Trophy candidate, Baker Mayfield, coming back, who, you know, almost 4,000 yards last year, 36 touchdowns to only seven picks. Talent abounds. Yet why would Bob Stoops decide with all of that potentially and maybe a potential of a college football playoff and a national championship run of a year, why now did he decide to step down, Phil? 
Uh, I never really speculate a lot. I'd rather hear it directly from Coach Stoops as to why it happened. So uh, I'm not sure. I, I've been fortunate enough to talk to Coach Stoops each year for the past three or four years and uh, always respected exactly what he said. And I think eventually maybe it'll come out why he stepped down. I don't think there was any problems was the reason for it. Maybe it was just time for a change for Coach Stoops. And, uh, you know, everybody – I remember going back a couple of years ago uh, – Michael, when uh, Gil Branches called me and he said, you know who I think is one of the best assistants in football? I go, who's that? He goes, Lincoln Riley. He's over at East Carolina right now, but this guy is on the rise. And I, naturally, you take a little note and you go, okay, Lincoln Riley, East Carolina. And next thing you know, he's the offensive coordinator at, at Oklahoma. They had to try to keep him on board. They did keep him on board. Now he's the head guy. And, uh, you know, if he's got the Gil Brandt endorsement, then uh, he's good enough for me. Sure. Now, did he not also, he hired his former mentor and boss, Ruffin yes. McNeil, right? To yeah, come into nice. to, uh, to, uh, Oklahoma with him. Nice hire. And anytime anybody asks me who's one of your favorite coaches to, to talk to in the offseason, Ruffin McNeil. I love talking to him uh, during the, you know, when he was head coach uh, at East Carolina. And I, I think he did a great job there. And I, I think it's a nice, nice hire for Oklahoma. All right, 33 years of age is Lincoln Riley. All right, it starts, uh, as we said, I mean, Philly, bona fide, bona fide, as you'll point out. Check out the Bible, Phil Steele's college football preview, the Heisman Trophy hopeful watch list. Baker Mayfield is legitimate. Philly had a tremendous 2016. Now, granted, he's lost a lot of that weaponry that is now on to the National Football League that he was – throwing the football to to spearhead that offense. But with Baker Mayfield at the helm uh, and all that talent there, I don't think we're going to see that large a fall off in Oklahoma offensively. Do you? Uh, no, because I like what they have at quarterback, and I, I like what they have on the offensive line. And, you know, a lot of folks have asked me, hey, you know, this Bob Stoops thing happened, uh, I think it was about a week, week and a half after we went to the press. Would, would it have changed my mind? And my answer there is no, it would not have changed my mind. And here's what I like about it was the timing. Because uh, generally if you have a first-year head coach, Michael, a guy like Lincoln Riley taking a job for his first time, and you give him the thing of, hey, you have to take this team through spring practice and it be his first spring, he's got to learn you know, what to, timing and drills and, and when we're going to get everything done. And then you have to prepare the team for the upcoming season post-spring and get everything laid out. Bob Stoops took care of all that. He didn't have to worry about a first-year head coach going through spring. Bob Stoops took him through spring. Didn't have to worry about a first-year head coach trying to get him ready for the fall. Bob Stoops got him ready for the fall. They still have their offense coordinator in Lincoln Riley. Still have their defense coordinator Mike Stoops. Now, my question mark is at running back. I mean, Joe Mixon and P. Ryan were, you look yeah. at that combo at running back, you're not going to find two better running backs combined in the country. And they produced big time last year. You'll wonder who that feature back is going to be. Is it going to be a Rodney Anderson, Abdul Adams? But I don't see two top-notch NFL guys back there at the running back spot. So question mark there. And then a receiver. You lose a guy like Dede Westbrook, who, of course, won the Bolitnikoff Award. Now, do keep in mind, Dede in his first year had 743 yards, almost uh, did double that last year. I think maybe a Marquise Brown could step in. This is a guy who, if he gets a half step on you or he's even with you, you're not going to catch him. He's got that type of blazing speed. He could be a, a big-time receiver this year. Offensive line, I've got him rated the best in the country. And defensively last year, they struggled early on, especially in uh, uh, some games, giving up 
45 to Ohio State, 45 to TCU, 40 to Texas. Got better as the season went on. And if you're a talent evaluator and you look at the overall talent, like a Gallimore at defensive tackle, uh, Oboe at the uh, outside linebacker spot, Jordan Thomas at cornerback, uh, Stephen Parker at strong safety. They've got plenty of talent on that side of the ball. I think they'll have a much improved defense. So the Sooners would still be my pick to win the Big 12, uh, even knowing that uh, Stoops had left. Uh, I just I like the timing of his departure. Yeah, and it's going to be something, as we said, I, I just don't see. And I've had the same questions with you. A lot of people have said to me, well, Reggae, come on now. No Joe Mixon, no Samaj P. Ryan, no D.D. Westbrook. I mean, Mayfield notwithstanding, but you watch. You watch all of those that were uh, playing behind those three young men and uh, their understudies, so to speak. Uh, you watch one, if not two of them, have uh, huge years statistically and uh, the fall-off will not be precipitous at all. Phil, when we look at Oklahoma, I mean, let's, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody about our, uh, our our wonderful sponsors at SeatGeek here in a moment. But, Phil, in week two, uh, going to the horseshoe in Columbus to tangle with Urban Meyer and Ohio State after Ohio State won in Norman last year. Got to go to Baylor. Got to go to Kansas State. Got to go to Oak State. Phil, we need to, well, you and I need to take Saturday, November 4th off. You and I need to go see Bedlam together at Oklahoma yeah, State. And, well, how about if that? You, if you do get your seats to Bedlam through SeatGeek, then you might get possibly a rematch in the, uh, the Big 12 title game, and you want to get your SeatGeek tickets to that as well. Absolutely. No question about it. Phil, the over-under for uh, Lincoln Riley in his first year is 10. So now we're talking about, uh, again, this is based on the 12-game regular season schedule. So if you're going to go over, as uh, you know, you and I have done this uh, with Alabama and Ohio State, and we've done it with Florida State in our other previews. Now, if you're going to go over that now, you've only got one room for margin of error, as in one loss, to uh, try to find uh, an 11-1 and then if you want to go over the 10 to win that play. Um, Phil, I tell you, what do you think? I mean, with, with at Ohio State, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State in Bedlam, woo-wee, I, I, I don't know. Uh, that I, I think that number might be hard to attain, quite frankly. So, Michael's going with the under. I am. I, I, I am. As, and as much as I just talk them up, and I, I think Lincoln Riley's going to do big, big things, but – I just don't think, given the schedule, and if, if they were to do a ten and two or even a nine and three this year, uh, I know they'd be disappointed. But I, given the circumstances, I don't think that'd be the worst thing in the world for the folks in Norman. And uh, on this one, Michael, I'm going to say that I've, I'm going to put them at ten. I think they drop the game to Ohio State, and they probably drop one Big Twelve game during the year. I would not go higher. I would not go lower. So this is one where we're going to leave it up to, to Michael to make the decision here because uh, I'm, I'm going to stay at Lance right on 10. Yeah, I, I, I listen, I, um, being honest, I think you're right. I, I can see 10 and 2, but just because we need to, uh, you know, have a little variance in what we do so everybody can, uh, you know, tell us how wrong we were, the one, <laughs> the one that doesn't. I, Phil, I'm going to go on. I'm going to say nine and three, so I'm going to go under. 
Um, I, uh, I think maybe there might even be a couple of Big 12 losses this year. I mean, listen, at Kansas State and at Oklahoma State, uh, those are two very going to be very difficult road games. Not that Oklahoma isn't capable of winning them, but uh, I do think you might see there, if we're talking about talent level being fairly similar on those squads, home field may mean a lot. So, Phil, I'm going to say 9-3, and three and I'm going to go under with Oklahoma this year. All right, sounds good. I'm not sure if Phil and I are going to be able to be at Bedlam coming up on November the 4th, but you know what? You can be. That's right. I can guarantee you you can. I get asked all the time, what's the best and the most efficient way to buy tickets for not only uh, your favorite college football squad and all sports events, but concerts, theater, too? It's SeatGeek. Oh, yeah, SeatGeek. you got to check them out. They're the smartest, easiest, I I tell you, bottom line, the most effective way to get the seats you want. And therein is the crux of the whole thing. It's the seats you want at the prices that you feel are most affordable. They have a seamless mobile experience for you at SeatGeek and allows you to buy and sell tickets to events you want. With just a couple of taps of that mobile device, you're going to get the best seats at the best prices anywhere, fully guaranteed. Now, you're going to see your favorite team or favorite musician or entertainer as you instantly find seats like I just did. As I said, you know, I'm going to go check out Bruno Mars. I love Bruno and the show he puts on, and SeatGeek made it happen for me. You can do it just the same. Make SeatGeek your go-to app. I'll save you time and money with SeatGeek. They'll be the ones that are foremost on your mind for every type of ticket you want. Again, sports, concerts, and theater, you save time and money. And you know the best part of your entire SeatGeek experience? Oh, we've got that for you right here, as strong as steel. And because you're a strong as steel listener, that means you get priority. You are VIPs, right? You get 20 bucks off. That's right. I said $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, for $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. Can't do it any better than that. I guarantee you be front and center at the events you want and the seats you want, and make sure you do it at the most affordable price out there. Get your tickets with SeatGeek. All right, everybody, hope you're enjoying uh, this Big 12 edition of Strong as Steel. We're going through uh, alphabetically all of the the 10 squads in uh, the Big 12. This is not our predicted or projected order of finish, doing it alphabetically. And, of course, I know you've got Phil Steele's college football preview right in front of you and your access to philsteele.com. And, uh, boy, it's every bit of information that you want. Phil Steele joining us. And, Phil, let's swing as we just uh, concluded uh, Lincoln Riley and what he'll expect in his first year. Let's uh, swing a little bit uh, further into the state of Oklahoma. Real interesting 2016 for the Oklahoma State Cowboys and Mike Gundy. Now, Phil, they got off to a 2-2 two and two start, but that included that very controversial loss to Central Michigan and, quite frankly, uh, a, a snap and a play that should not have been run. And then following uh, that 2-2 two, two start, they roll off seven consecutive wins before the loss uh, to Oklahoma. Phil, I tell you what, uh, I'm sure you'll echo this. Everybody needs to get to know a young man by the name of Mason Rudolph this year. Cowboys quarterback, I think, is one of the very finest in the FBS. Uh, Phil, with that, with him at the throttle and the trigger man, uh, can they win the rivalry game? 
and now moved up to early November, as we've talked about with Oklahoma, and maybe position themselves as a Big 12 college football playoff entrant. Yeah, I think they are a contender for a playoff spot this year. And, uh, you know, you look at how most folks uh, break down a team. They look at the quarterback, running back, receiver. Well, if you do that with this team, you've got the triplets there. As you touched on, Mason Rudolph is a good-sized quarterback. I mean, he's six uh, foot five, 230 pounds. He was PS number 18. And last year, uh, threw for 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, just four interceptions. Then they have Justice Hill at running back. Now, he didn't begin the year as starter. But in his 10 starts last year, Justice Hill rushed for 1,142 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. And then the best quarterback-wide receiver combo in the country, James Washington, is back. Both he and Rudolph could have left early for the NFL. Washington also opted to return. And how about 1,380 yards, but 19.4 yards per catch for James Washington. And the year before that, 20.5. So here's a guy... They can get it done and is a game-breaker anytime he touches the ball. Now, I actually rate Oklahoma State as having my number one receiving core in the entire country. They had in a guy like Tyron Johnson, who comes over from LSU, who's PS number four. They've got McCleskey and Aitman back. They are solid throughout at receiver. I think the best set of receivers in the country. Now, a couple of years ago, their offensive line was not only a question mark, it was a weakness on the team. Uh, now, the offensive line becomes a strength. You look at the fact they've got three, three-and-a-half solid starters coming back up front. Uh, they had in a guy like Aaron Cochran, the left, tack- left tackle. He had 10 starts last year. This is a team that's uh, got a lot of talent uh, coming back. And I-, I think Cochran, of course, coming over from Cal's, where he started 10 games last year. So they are loaded up front, and they're going to have a solid, productive O-line. So one of the more explosive offenses in the entire country defensively, uh, Gundy likes the speed of the linebacking core. They only have one returning starter, but they've got good speed. Not an overwhelming defense with just five returning starters off a D that uh, gave up 26.5 points per game, but I think they have some potential. And then when you look at their schedule, you know, they do play Texas on the road, but they get Oklahoma at home. West Virginia, Iowa State, Texas Tech are their other road games in Big 12 play. This is a team that could be favored in 10 or 11 games this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and Phil, of course, uh, week three now, they've got to go into Heinz Field and see Pat Narduzzi and the Pitt Panthers. And and that one will, will not be a, just a chalk-it-up, easy road W. Of course, uh, uh, Pittsburgh was uh, in uh, Stillwater a year ago in that wild 45-38 Oklahoma State win. A lot of offense in that one. But uh, I don't know what we've got. The South Point has the Oklahoma State over under at nine. And, Phil, just like we were talking about with Oklahoma, that that sounds to me, even though we say they, they're a legitimate uh, CFP contender, nine sounds to me about just right. I could see it falling right on that with Oklahoma State doing a nine and three this year. And, uh, you know, when you look at their schedule, uh, the, the Oklahoma game, Bedlam is big. Now, Oklahoma did thrash them in the second half last year. Texas, they've actually had a pretty good track record going into Texas and coming out of there with the wins. In fact, uh, I believe they won like five or six in a row when they've traveled to Texas. Uh, the Pittsburgh game does look to be tough, but I'm actually going to uh, go with the over on this one. I'm going to go with the over nine. I think Oklahoma State gets up to that double-digit win level this season. Okay, so I've got to, you know, we can't push it out, you know. Uh, as I said, nine sounds right to me, and that's where the number is set right now. But I, I'll go with you. I'll go with you on that. And uh, let's say they uh, they do a 10-2, and two, and 
uh, that'll have a lot of uh, yell- as long as one of them isn't that bedlam. As I know, Oklahoma State fans, oh, they feel like they've got a real shot to bag Oklahoma this year, Phil. That's going to be one to mark on the calendar November 4th. Yeah, it sure will be, and it could very well be the first of two meetings for the two. Uh, of course, no matter who plays in the Big 12 title game, it'll be the, the uh, second of two meetings as the Big 12 plays around Robin. Yep, absolutely, and uh, something that... Uh, we will all, uh, I think, take with a little bit more excitement level to it this year because there is uh, probably the most legitimate shot since 2014, maybe for a Big 12 entrant to forge their way into the college football playoff. We shall see. Uh, we're delighted you're a part of uh, our Strong as Steel effort with you today. We are in the Big 12. And, Phil, it's time to make those uh, three stops now in the state of Texas around the Big 12. And we'll start with TCU, 17 returning starters now. That stands out, right, for the uh, the Frogs. Uh, most experienced Big 12 uh, squad. They should, we, we said earlier in the show many believe they should have been a playoff team. In the first year of the college football playoff in 2014, when they finished at 12 and one, now Gary Patterson's frogs though slipped to a six and seven last year, and their offense took a step back. Phil, they were what uh, I think as uh, you and I were going through numbers this winter, they were took a 100 yard per game dip on the offensive side. Now, when you come off a down year though, usually a coach like Patterson bounces back strong. Do you see that being the case this year for TCU? I do. And it'll be interesting to see what number of the South Point sets on this TCU team. I'm going to go back to 2014. And that year, uh, they were coming off a 4-8 and eight season. And TCU was one of the very first teams to actually make two of my lists. They made both the most improved lists, which means the team coming off a losing record, I think will have a large gain on the record the next year. And they're also one of my top surprise teams as well that year. And as you touched on a couple of times during this uh, podcast today, they almost made the playoffs that year, which would have been a shocker coming off a 4-8 and eight season, finishing 12-1 and one on the year, and, of course, winning their bowl game handily over Ole Miss, 42-3. to three. Well, TCU's off just their second recent losing season. I mean, all the other winning seasons under Patterson pretty much been winning ones the last decade or so. And as you touched on, 17 returning starters. It's a veteran group. Last year they had two returning starters on offense. This year they have 10. And last year one of their big problems with the offense was the amount of drop passes. In fact, they led the nation with most passes dropped on the year. But talking to Coach Patterson this spring, he likes the receiving core. With guys like Taj Williams, Cavante Turpin, John Diars, the LSU transfer, Sean Nixon, all these guys extremely talented, and I think they can all be much more productive than last year. Plus they bring in a tremendous class of true freshman receivers that could have an immediate impact. And you got to think when Coach Patterson was recruiting receivers this year, hands was a big issue. He probably oh, yeah. said, we need guys that can catch the ball. Uh, you look at them up front, the offensive line, great group. Kenny Hill, a bit of a wild card. He can make any play, but he can also lose you a game. If he can rein in Kenny Hill a little bit and uh, get him productive, that's a big thing. And then Kyle, Kyle Hicks at running back is a guy that topped 1,000 yards. So it's a loaded offense defensively. The linebacking core looks solid. Uh, depth at cornerback is a concern. They could probably use maybe one more player. Uh, but last year, their, their defensive backs took a big hit uh, injury-wise, and I think they're going to be in better shape this year. And then when you factor in the schedule, probably be an underdog at Oklahoma State, at K-State, and at Oklahoma. 
But uh, this is a TCU team that I think can surprise. In fact, this year, for the second time now, they they are make my most improved list, which means I think they'll have a large increase in record. But they also make my surprise list, which means they're a dark horse national title contender, mm-hmm. despite definitely not being ranked in the top 20 at the start of the year. Yeah, Kenny Hill, too. We remember him. A couple years starter, really, with probably better results with Kevin Sumlin to fill at Texas A&M than he showed last year. But I'm with you. I'm going to attribute uh, some of the uh, the weaknesses of the wide receivers and why that TD interception ratio was kind of a pedestrian 17-13. So uh, what type of play are they going to get from Kenny Hill and those receivers this year? Uh, Phil, as we said, now this is a program you laid it out too as we went back to 2014, 23 wins, 12-1-14, and 11-2-5 before the dip to 6-7. and seven. So, Phil, star point, uh, when we look at uh, TCU, they are showing a win total this year of eight. Let's take a look at that schedule. They go to Arkansas in week two and then at Oklahoma State in week four. Uh, I, they're going to have to win one of those two football games. I would th- For them, preferably, they'd like it to be Oklahoma State. But those two of those first four assignments rough on the road to uh, start the uh, first month of the year for TCU. They are, but, uh, you know, Coach Patterson can get it done on the road. You look at some of the games they've had in the past. They went into number 20, West Virginia, back in 14, came out of there with a win. Uh, They went into Kansas State in 2015 and won. And last year, they were underdogs at Baylor, at Texas, came out with wins both times. So great respect for Coach Patterson. I think he's a coach that uh, is one that just dots every I, crosses every T. If there's an edge to be gained, he will gain it. And I think Patterson will get it done. I'm going with over the eight for TCU this year. Oh, we're going to, okay. Phil's going over the eight, and I, too, uh, really, really, really like the work of Gary Patterson uh, in his TCU program. But, uh, but Phil, I'm going to say the um, the step forward is going to be a small one this year. I'm going to go under eight. I'm thinking more of a seven and five for TCU this year. So uh, we will uh, have to get those root beers rolling on that one as well. You got it. All right, so that's the TCU story. So Phil's going over the eight. I'm going to go under the eight. 17 returning starters, though. Uh, That is a very experienced football team, as we talked about. All right, we stay in the state of Texas, as I mentioned, as the Big 12 rolls on. And, hey, listen, too, I want to remind you, I know you're enjoying. We're getting a lot of terrific feedback on Twitter and uh, all throughout social media from you. Do us a favor, when you're listening to uh, the Strongest Steel podcasts uh, and all of our previews as we get you ready for 2017, on iTunes there's an opportunity for you to leave a quick review of what you like about the show. Do that for us, please, and then we'll uh, certainly take all of that to heart as we look to make Strong as Steel bigger and better for you going forward. How about the Texas Longhorns, Phil Steele? 2016, uh, they they started very well for then-head coach Charlie Strong. Remember that uh, season opening weekend? They beat Notre Dame in that wild one. But, Phil, they, they lost the final three of the year. They went three and six in the Big 12, no bowl, and Charlie Strong got dismissed. So here comes Tom Herman rolling in now, uh, widely acclaimed, highly acclaimed uh, for his stellar work uh, with the Houston Cougars. Now, the the Horns uh, position themselves, I, I don't know, can they position themselves in the Big 12 top three, which would indicate immediate success for Herman? I, I You know, they got to 
You look at the schedule at USC week three, Kansas State and Oklahoma State, they got both of them at home in Austin. But I guess more so is as we always talk about, uh, how quickly is Herman going to be able, he's uh, recruited very, very well, we know that, will recruit well. But how quickly will he be able to make the assessment of his personnel, his talent, and have it assimilate into a big season win-wise for the Horns of Texas? Well, I'm a big Tom Herman fan as well. Uh, talked to him each year that he was at Houston. I thought he did a tremendous job there. In fact, the, the one stat I'll throw out from when the time he was at Houston, here he is in a group of five league. They played six ranked teams in his tenure. How about 6-0 and oh against those ranked teams? So he can get them up for a big game, get the team producing well. And, you know, Texas is a team that really underachieved last season. They were favored in uh, eight of their 12 games and yet only won five. The three games you've mentioned, West Virginia at Kansas and TCU down the stretch, favored to win all three games, came up short. And their defense, I mean, they look good getting off the bus. You look at that defensive line, you want those guys getting off the bus first. They're big boys. They're strong. They're athletic. They've got talent. I'm surprised at how the defense did, especially with Charlie Strong as the head coach. And then the secondary, once again, good size. I mean, they're all six foot, six one, six two. They're all fast. They're all athletic, and yet they still didn't have a great pass defense last year. So I think overall, Tom Herman's inheriting a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. One that underachieved last year, allowing 448 yards per game. I think we see good size improvement now. Shane Bussell's back. He's got to fight off Sam Ellinger, who is a a recruit from Tom Herman, and that always gives him a shot. But I like what Bushell did last year. The big question mark, who's going to replace Dante Foreman, who last year ran for 2,000 yards, had some dominant games. But Chris Warren was splitting times with Foreman until he got injured. I think he'll do fine. They've got some dangerous receivers like Armonte Foreman, who's the brother of uh, uh, Dante. They've got Devin Duvernay, uh, Hurd, the ex-quarterback, Colin Johnson, the offensive line looks solid as well. So this is a very talented Texas team, one that underachieved last year, one that I think Tom Herman will have them overachieving this year. Yeah, well, and you mentioned Shane Bouchelle. Really like him, Phil. You might say, uh, you know, a little bit undersized, only about uh, six foot one, uh, maybe more in the Colt McCoy Texas Longhorn mold. But you know, I thought he had a solid freshman year as a, as a true last year. You like the uh, TD interception ratio at a plus 10 at 21-11. You'd like to see that uh, it'll be a little bit better into that 63-64% completion percentage area. But uh, I guess the big question, I'm glad you brought it up, uh, Bouchelle, will he be able to hold off Tom Herman's highly touted quarterback recruit, Sam uh, Ellinger? You know, I think he will be. Uh, the experience level is something that you rely on early in the season. Uh, he adapted well to the offense in the spring. I think he'll do well. And one more thing to point out, despite their 5-7 and seven record last year, Texas was actually plus 43 yards per game. So generally, if you outgain your foes by 43 yards per game on the season, you have a much better year. I'll give you an example. As you guys know, in the magazine, there's a game grade for each individual game that they play during the course of the year. Texas came in number 33 in my game grade. It didn't make a bowl. That tells you that they were on, they underachieved last year and definitely better than their final record would indicate. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, as Phil said, uh, I echo, we're both huge fans of Tom Herman. And make no mistake, I, I think it is, although, I, listen, admittedly, I thought the same thing with Charlie Strong. Uh, for the last three seasons. But uh, admittedly, uh, I, I believe that, uh, Phil, I, by 2018, 
I really think we're going to be talking, though, once again uh, about the Texas Longhorns with prominence, and I mean potential college football playoff Final Four stuff as Herman starts to take hold with his program. I think that highly of him. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, look at the job he did as the offensive coordinator at uh, Ohio State. In fact, uh, I mentioned to him last year, I was talking to Coach Herman, I said, you could run for mayor of Columbus. I mean, everybody, every time a play goes <laughs> right. bad in Columbus, they're like, boy, well, if we had Tom Herman back. That wouldn't have happened to Herman. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he just sort of chuckled when I made that comment. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Tom Herman, uh, first year in Austin. Uh, yeah, well, listen, as we know, anybody, you, you take that head coaching job, of the Texas Longhorns, and there is going to be a heavy onus on you, and the spotlight is bright each and every Saturday. Glad you got the spotlight bright with us here on Strong as Steel. It's always bright on the uh, top analyst in college football, Phil Steele. And, uh, Phil, you have uh, really you've, you've done a lot of work with, uh, with ESPN in college football, the NFL, down through the years, but now you are a full-time employee Give all of our Strongest Steel uh, podcast listeners an idea where they can find you on the family and networks and ESPN.com as well. Yeah, and put out a lot of great articles as well for ESPN. If you've been following along through the summer on ESPN.com and on ESPN Insider, you get a lot of articles, toughest units, uh, rankings. And uh, if you go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele, it'll take you right to ESPN Insider, and you can actually get – a one-year membership for just $3.33 per month. That's half the price of a beer at a ball game, and you can get all the access to ESPN Insider. I'll be putting up great articles throughout the year if you're following college football, and if you're looking, I'll also be putting up NFL articles all season long as one of the top NFL writers for ESPN Insider. Plus, I don't follow any of the other sports, but there's a lot of guys that follow their sports with the same passion that I follow college and pro football, and you get all their articles on the other sports. So to me, it's one of the best values in football, $3.33 a month. Get yourself an ESPN Insider Pass, and that way you don't have to click on my Twitter, see the article that says, oh, only ESPN Insider. Hey, $3.33 a month, that's pennies per day. You can get access to all those articles. Oh, yeah, the best way to go. And make sure you check out Phil when he's uh, making his appearances on College Football Live or the NFL shows or Sports Center because we, we've got Phil all dressed up this year. He's looking good now. He's got uh, some of those real expensive uh, European-Italian designer suits and going to show them all off to you. So make sure you check him out coming up on, uh, on all the various platforms at ESPN. Phil, good luck with all of that. I know you're going to uh, knock it out of the park, my man. Or, or maybe we'll say uh, score about seven touchdowns uh, uh, in appearance. How's that for yeah, you? Much better, much better uh, analogy there at the second yeah. part there. <laughs> better reference. Make it the football reference yeah. for Phil. All right, make sure you check about uh, and all the, uh, the various ESPN platforms. Uh, Phil Steele all throughout 2000. And 17. Uh, I don't know if he's a biggest name as Phil Steele, but there's no question that Texas Tech quarterback Patrick Mahomes last year, who's now in the National Football League, uh, he really made a name for himself as we uh, stay in the state of Texas in our Big 12 preview and take a look at the Texas Tech Red Raiders out of Lubbock, Cliff Kingsbury, now in his fifth year, former uh, pretty accomplished quarterback himself. 
So without Mahomes, though, now, Phil, Kingsbury is going to have to retool. And uh, for all of the uh, exploits and all of the uh, electric high-flying offensive performances last year, it didn't necessarily equate into an abundance of wins, just five and seven without a bowl game. And only three and six in the Big 12. Phil, I think we both could agree. And we look at our numbers in uh, our Phil Steele College football preview and uh, your assessments of defense. That D's got to improve. They allowed 44 points a game. Phil, they allowed 600-plus yards seven times last year. And, uh, wow, I mean, you know, that's that's just not going to get it done, even in the, the wild Big 12 offensively. So Kingsbury, two bowls his first four years for Kingsbury. Uh, and, and I guess every other season seems to be his ticket in the first four, right? When we go back and look, he's what he's done. First year, four wins at 14, rebounded with a seven at six at 15. And, and so, I mean, you know, eight and five as well and 13. So Kingsbury is, uh, is the onus on him? Is he, is he got himself got to get back into that, that seven, eight win area to make sure he achieves a bowl this year? Yeah. And, and- Coach Kingsbury's a great guy. You know, I'm talking to him this year, and uh, on ESPN.com, my article comes up, Coaches on the Hot Seat. And then I look at my coaches' interviews for the week, and sure enough, I'm interviewing like three of my coaches on the hot seat that very week, and Coach Kingsbury was one of them. So I, you know, I mentioned, oh, I put you on the hot seat, and he's like, you know what? That's just the 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 way it goes. Everybody's on the hot seat. If you're not Nick Saban, you're on the hot seat in college football. And uh, you know, I, I like the the makeup of this team. Now, I've I've gone over the the team defensively with them. Uh, each of the last couple years, and David Gibbs is now in his third year as defense coordinator. I thought David Gibbs did a tremendous job with Houston's defense, about 13 and 14, generating a lot of turnovers. And overall, I think they've got decent size at Texas Tech, especially up front. Uh, They've got some 300-pounders in the middle, which you want. In fact, uh, you look at their top four defensive tackles this year, you've got three 300-pounders, you've got uh, some pass rushers at the, the end spot potential. And uh, then they've got a quarterback in, in Nick, Nick uh, Shimanek, who I think is going to step right in and be one of those next in the long line of Texas Tech fifth-year senior quarterbacks that just steps in and plays well. And here's a guy that has played the behind Mahomes. He's played behind Ruddick at Iowa, Beathard of Iowa, and Davis Webb. And these are all guys that are playing in the NFL or have, have had their uh, NFL things. So he's got plenty of experience playing behind some big-time guys. Good receiving core to throw to. The offensive line is solid. And they weren't that far away. You look at that Oklahoma game last year, the defense gave up 854 yards. That's abysmal. The offense put up 854 yards against Oklahoma. That's pretty good. Who puts up 854 yards? So I think the talents there, when you look at the schedule, they will probably be an underdog in as many as eight games this year, which is not a good sign, seven or eight games, I should say. Uh, but I would, like you mentioned, they go eight down to four, seven down to five. This should be the year they bounce back. The schedule's the same as it was for both their bowl seasons. I think they have that potential, and uh, I'm rooting for Coach Kingsbury, a really good guy. Over 1,700 yards of total offense last October when Texas Tech and Oklahoma got together, Phil. And well, how, I think, how, is I, it, how is it even possible that each team ended up with 854 yards? The, the odds of that are mind-boggling. They are too wild. I think as somebody... 
iconic college football coaches from back in the day, and you know they are 1,700 yards. They're probably saying, we didn't, we didn't see 1,700 yards, uh, you know, through whole seasons sometimes. Through yeah, but the, the, the exact, way they play defense. Exact same yardage total for both teams, 854. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 66 to 59 Oklahoma win over Texas Tech. Uh, so uh, Phil mentioned uh, Nick Shimanek, his time uh, with, uh, uh, of course, Kirk Ferentz and behind both Jake Rudock and C.J. Beathard at Iowa. So we'll see if he could uh, step into prominence. And uh, Patrick Mahomes threw 41 touchdown passes a year ago and threw for over 5,000 yards. I don't know if we'll be getting up into that strata. But Kingsbury feels good. Uh, if he doesn't, he's going to have to see if he's got any eligibility left, Phil, and be able to to jump into the helm. But we look at Texas Tech. What are we we looking at? Uh, that win total at five and a half for the Red Raiders. How's that sound to you? Looking at the schedule. Well, looking at the schedule, Michael, you have to go under because they're going to be an underdog at Houston. Uh, they're going to be an underdog home against Oklahoma State. Uh, an underdog at West Virginia, at Oklahoma, home to Kansas State, Baylor and Arlington. TCU at home and at Texas. So be an underdog in all those games. But as mentioned, I'm rooting for Coach Kingsbury. And the years they made the bowls, they've pulled some upsets. So uh, it's one of those things where I think at five and a half, uh, I'm just going to pass on Texas Tech this year. (laughs) You're taking a pass, huh? I'm taking taking a pass. There's 130 teams we're going to discuss here, Michael. You can't make a stand on all 130 teams, can you? Oh, I want to crack the whip and make Steele make a stand here. All right, this is Steele's mulligan, okay? We'll look at it that way for you golf fanatics as well. So Phil is saying we'll take a pass. Uh, You know what, Phil? I'm going to go under that. I I, I see another five and seven in the offing for Cliff Kingsbury. And uh, again, defense. Defensively, there's got to be some improvement. I know Big 12 games can get wild and absolutely mind-boggling with all the numbers offensively, but, you know, the better teams in the Big 12 find a way. When they need to, they put forth those stronger defensive performances that lockdown wins for them. All right, nine of our ten we are completed with, with leaves just one, and that's, of course, Dana Holgerson. And his West Virginia Mountaineers. Now, seventh year for Holgerson at the helm of West Virginia. He has uh, he's had a couple of strong years, uh, Phil. He he got bowl eligible in fourteen. He's been to three straight bowl games with uh, fourteen that showed seven wins. He jumped it up to an eight and five and fifteen. And last year, Dana Holgerson goes ten and three, although they got to belted around in that Russell Athletic Bowl by the uh, the Hurricanes of Miami. So Holgerson has been, I, you know, he's been kind of unique with his football team. And what he was, if you remember, he was hired as head coach in waiting back in 2011 and uh, guided uh, then West Virginia to that uh, that big 70-33 to Orange Bowl win over the uh, Clemson Tigers. Phil, how have you, or how would you assess, how would you depict Dana Holgerson's time at at West Virginia. There's been some high expectations, as we said, ten and three a year ago, and yet now in the Big Twelve, you think that uh, that fans of the Mountaineers temper those expectations in a conference with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Texas and the like. No, this year West Virginia fans are expecting double digit wins, Big Twelve contention, and perhaps making the playoffs. I mean, they went ten and three last year. 
they finished the uh, season number 18 in the polls, entered the bowl game number 14. They bring in a quarterback and and Will Greer, who uh, Will Greer when he started at Florida did a great job. He started six games at Florida. When he was the starter, they averaged 32 points per game. When Will Greer was lost for the rest of the year, they averaged 16 points per game. So that's a pretty big difference. Greer had some solid uh, numbers there at Florida, thrown for 1,200 yards, uh, 66% with a 10-3 ratio. And I think his addition at quarterback is solid. In fact, you know, you look at Skylar Howard's numbers. Now, Skylar Howard's numbers two years ago, he had just 54%. He had a 26-14 ratio. He did improve last year up to 3,300 yards with the 26-10 ratio. I think Greer has the potential to even top those numbers. And you look at the uh, the running back, they've got Justin Crawford back, a 1,000-yard rusher. That's a nice place to start, but they also have Kennedy McCoy back there. The receiving core looks solid. Uh they do lose their top two guys in Gibson and Shorts, but I like the talent they have. Offensive line has got a couple of starters back. A little bit of a question because they're less experienced on the offensive line. And defensively, they only returned 38.9% of their tackles from last year, which is number 125 in the FBS, which is one of the reasons that they're the least experienced team in the Big 12 in my experience rankings at number 125. They do get back Drayvon Askew-Henry, who arguably was their top defensive player heading into last year, and then he had a red shirt because he was lost in August to a knee injury. So getting him back makes him a little bit more experienced than those numbers would indicate. Yeah, hard hitter back at that free safety spot, uh, about a 200-pounder, and uh, that will help buoy that defense to be sure. Uh, Phil, we take a look at the schedule. Of course, they start out with uh, that game against Virginia Tech and Landover, Maryland at uh, at the NFL Stadium in Landover. Uh, we look at it. Now, they got to play on the road at TCU, and they've got to go to Kansas State. they got to go to Baylor, and they got to go to Oklahoma. And uh, with that in mind, the star point uh, has set the over-under, the win total for West Virginia at six. Well, that, that would be a precipitous drop, and if it falls down that far, as you just laid out, that's why I ask you the question. Are West Virginia fans thinking about uh, being in that Big 12 championship game with a shot at even bigger and better than that? If they dropped all the way down to six, there might be a lot of heat on Dana Holgerson, correct? Uh, you know, they only have eight returning starters this year. They're the least experienced team in the Big 12. Uh, I actually uh, picked them a little bit lower than West Virginia fans would like. And uh, my my answer to West Virginia fans is simply this. If you feel so strongly about your team, head out to Vegas. They've got your money waiting for you. And if, you know, going over six is a, a, seems to be a pretty easy proposition if you're expecting 10 or 11 wins and contending for the Big 12 title. Now, my computer numbers actually have them right around that total. There's a reason that the South Point has them at six, and that is when you factor in the schedule, who they're playing and where they're playing them, they probably will be an underdog in six games this year. But uh, I know West Virginia fans, they've got their, their blue and gold uh, you know, uh, glasses on, and they're seeing things a different way. Heck, get out to Vegas and, uh, and, and lay into that one heavy if you're a West Virginia fan. <laughs> That's very good advice. I mean, again, uh, six should be easily doable. Phil, I do see them getting to seven. I, I think they're going to be bowl eligible uh, with an over 500 record. And yet I think uh, some of these road games, uh, when they get into conference play, are going to be uh, 
pretty daunting now. If if they can win their fair share of them, maybe they'll they'll be up in that eight nine win total. I'm going to go over the six for West Virginia, but when I say over, I mean by one. Uh, I I really am looking at a seven win season for Holgerson this year. Yeah, and and I have them uh, favored in six, and I have an underdog in six. So uh, I myself am going to be waiting outside the window there if I was in Vegas, and uh, I'd be waiting for them to move that number. Whichever way they move the number, that's the way I'm going. But uh, I know West Virginia fans aren't going to like that, but uh, that's that's what it is at Vegas right now is six. No, that's frank talk and uh, exactly what we do here on Strong as steel. Phil, that's that's a look at the Big 12. We've uh, we've done all 10 of them and again as we started this just to uh encapsulate a little bit. Uh why you need to really hone in this year is because I mean they lobbied long and hard their uh their commissioner Bob Bowlesby. Uh they wanted to uh, again get a conference championship game where they could uh, potentially use that to catapult a squad into the college football playoffs. So they've got the conference championship game in the Big 12. They play around Robin, as Phil and I have mentioned a few times. Everybody expects the rematch of a Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, to be your conference championship game, Phil. I, I think that sounds legitimate as much as we say that uh, Bill Snyder in Kansas State and maybe even in his first year, Tom Herman at Texas could kind of upset those thoughts. I think that's about right on. I see Bedlam 2 taking place in the Big 12 championship game just outside of Dallas. How about you? They are the two favorites, uh, but I will not discount the chances of K-State, TCU, and or Texas uh, getting there. I think those five are my uh, prime five, and, you know, with Bob Stoops stepping down, maybe it does open up the door a little bit. I think the Big 12 is going to be an extremely tough conference at the top. And we'll be all over it all year long right here on Strong is Steel. Phil, we're, we're making our way through. We've now previewed the, uh, the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, and now the Big 12. We, of course, are going to get the independents your way. We'll also get you the Pac-12 uh, coming up, and that'll take place uh, early next week, starting on uh, Monday, July the 24th. And we are in prime position to keep rolling right through as we lead up until the first weekend of play. Great stuff, Phil. Good to have you with us, as always. We'll check you out on ESPN. And, of course, make sure you get inside the press box as well uh, as a part of uh, philsteel.com. Now for our producer, uh, Jim Nabosna, and, of course, uh, Phil Steele, who gives you the very best in college football information. I'm Michael Regai. Check in with SeatGeek, everybody. Check in with, uh, with iTunes as well. Leave us a review, and we'll keep rolling strong on strong as still. For Phil and for Jim, I'm Michael Regai. Enjoy it, everybody. We'll see you next time on Strong is Steel. So long.